Uh, welcome back to the Dev Ready podcast. Um, well, once again, we've got Dan Mumby. Thanks for returning, Dan. Uh, Dan's a 15x founder, uh, known as that startup guy, um, angel investor, and a few other things as well along the lines. Um, thanks for joining us again, Dan. Oh, thanks for having me back, Andrew. I, I, we had a lot of fun t- chatting the last time, so uh, <laughs> glad you could have me back into the studio and, and yeah. just continue the conversation. Yeah, no, there's a lot of conversations that are on the startup journey and that help me to advise people that have that idea, what do I do next? Now, something we want to talk about today is really about how do I build the right team? How do I get, do I get advisors? Do I bring on a tech founder? Um, do I bring on a CTO? What do I do? So. I want to just dive into that a little bit today about finding the right team, building the board, building the advisory board, and just jumping jumping into that a little bit. Well, it's it's a great topic because I, I hear a lot of um, of good advice out there mm-hmm. from uh, friends and peers and industry yeah. colleagues that I that I talk to about this, but I also hear a lot of bad misinformation and the the often trotted out. I hopefully it died a horrible death by now, but the the hustler, the hacker, and the hipster as the sort of three co-founders. Yeah, I heard that a few years back. I haven't heard that much anymore. Oh, thank God for yeah. that. Yeah, I'm hoping it has died now, but yeah. if you hear it, run them off. Oh. You to... And that will tell you, run them off. There you go. There's a sign from above. It's just basically, yeah, don't, don't be doing that. Um, so, the, so the challenge of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of do I need a, a co-founder, do I need tech co-founders, um, uh, I think not. But then the question of how do I find those, how do I build a team, it's sort of really related to the conversation about uh, about how do I find advisors and how do I find mentors and how do I build an advisory board from advisors and then how do I build a formal board. I think they're all parts of the same journey because mm. they're all part of what I call your team roadmap. Okay, now, so just diving in on that, target market for us is clearly non-techs building tech products. Now, Generally, what we've found is they go out and they source techs or developers and start building something. Yeah. So you're talking about, we had a, the conversation we probably had with you was talking about building the strategic plan. Now this is how do I build a roadmap for a team and think about the business model as well, not just about the tech and the technology I'm delivering. Ab- absolutely. So, so um, we had a lot of fun talking about some of these topics last yeah. time. So, so rather than going over the old ground, yeah. one of the things I talk a lot about is mm. if you're painting a wall, mm. You can be the best painter in the world, but if your ladder is on the wrong wall, you aren't going to get paid. Okay, I think there was a ladder on the roof before. Yeah. So a hot day in Melbourne, and there's a bit yes. of heat going. So yeah. um, we'll we'll forgive the tradesman yeah. on the roof. Um, but yeah, but if he's if he's fixing the wrong air conditioner, yes. he's not going to get paid. So yeah, very true. <laughs> that's the analogy. And and yeah. the problem with going out and hacking together, you know, putting together tech co-founders and hacking mm-hmm. together a product is that you don't know if your ladder's on the right wall yet. Okay. And there's a very, very high percentage of failure mm-hmm. in in startup land, in the venture yes. space. And, you know, it's because what you're doing is unknown, it's hard, you've probably never done it before, and, mm-hmm. and there's other competition, and, and there's, you know, limited resources and scarcity of capital, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it takes money to does, yeah. build a brand. Mm. It takes money, it takes real money. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody who says that they can throw a business together for 50 bucks or 500 bucks, well, you can. Mm. But you better be prepared to spend five or ten million dollars over the life of that venture and building it into a significant venture, mm. into a brand. Yeah. Now, it's going to come from capital or revenue. Mm-hmm. There's only two places you can get it from. Yeah. So either money that you're making from the customers, from product you're selling, mm-hmm. or people who invest in your business. Okay. In Australia, there's a limited number of investors, and 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 we're quite risk averse in Australia. We are. It's a very different market than the US. Clearly, um, very risk averse. They want proven businesses that are generating income. Um, but how do you get to that point? Yeah, exactly. So one of the things we, we talked about last episode was with a strategic plan, and one of the key elements of that, and we did discuss the, the funding elements of mm-hmm. and the personal runway capacity. In, in discussing the team roadmap, it's the same sort of question. You've got to think about where is my end game and how do I reverse engineer it back? Yes. And so if I've got a business that's generating... $20 million in sales a year and, and making $4 million of profit that I can mm-hmm. reinvest and build a large brand and scale, that's great. So if I've got a business that's turning over $20 million, I've probably got 50 employees. Mm. Yeah, you so need some numbers there, don't need, you? need some numbers. Yeah. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. going to be turning over $20 million 
with two people. You just yeah. know. I mean, you know. Unless you hit it big with some tech that everybody wants, but it's very, very rare and very yeah. unlikely. I right? mean, the, the, yeah. was, it, who, was it Snapchat that had 13 employees? I think it was something it? around that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's the white, it's the unicorn, right? That, that's not right. happening every day. But unicorns don't exist. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> a figmentary, imaginary, the horse with an ice cream cone stuck on their head. You know? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, but, the, but the reality of that is if you're going to have 50 people, then think about that. Well, okay, so. So I'm going to get to 50. So what about who are my first 20 employees? Or who are my first 10 team members? Mm-hmm. Or who are my first five team members? Yep. And, and stage it back those ways. And, and I always say that the first five team members you should get are not employees. Mm-hmm. They're in fact, they're your advisors. Okay, interesting. And so not employees, advisors. No, your advisors. advisors. And, and, and the reason for that is that in pretty much in any business, there's about five buckets that you want to handle. Mm-hmm. Okay, And I figure if you can get the advisors first, they will know, rather than going trying to go out and recruit or hire people in startup land, which is quite hard to do, yep. or spend 12 months networking and meeting all the right people, mm-hmm. is if you can find the right advisors and focus your time and efforts there, not only will you get the benefits that we talked about in the previous podcast mm-hmm. about the, the right guidance, helping you ask the right questions, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But these guys, if, if these advisors, I say guys, oh, but I mean generically guys and girls, yeah. um, if these advisors have been in their segment or their space for 10 or 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. they're going to have a Rolodex or a LinkedIn profile filled with the right type of people that they can introduce you to. So you're going to very, very quickly be introduced to people that a trusted source mm-hmm. is going to say, I like this person, I know them well, I trust them, they're going to be perfect for your business, and I would love to introduce you. And that That's gold. gold, yeah, it is, because you can be knocking down so many doors and get nowhere if you don't have the right connections. And I've been there before, done it, started up a business in the pharmacy space, I was telling you a little bit about it before, yeah. um, bringing on... A, a good uh, advisor and team member into that, and the industry has changed the dynamic of that business. And it can it can completely shift when you have the right people with the right Rolodex, as you call it, yeah, um, or phone with contacts in it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's right. No, not yeah. everybody knows what a Rolodex yes. is. They're not as old as us, but you know, as as, as experienced yes. and as senior. Yeah. But <laughs> but, the, but the reality is that. Um, uh, that everybody you need, mm-hmm. every resource that you need for your business, certainly for the first 20 people, yeah. is known to someone that you know. Mm. But you may not know them, but mm-hmm. someone you know knows them. Okay. So, so, the, so you gotta, you firstly got to know how to ask, mm. but you've got to know what you're looking for. Yes. So the reason why I start with the five advisors is, is, I'll, give you, is I'll, give you five, I'll give you the five buckets. Mm-hmm. Now, I put the math separately to this, and I, and I keep out legal and finance and, and tax and law and stuff um, separate, because okay. they're a sort of a separate bucket. Mm-hmm. You can hire advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, so so let, me, let me make the differentiation here. So I'm not talking about guns for hire style advisors mm-hmm. in that way. Admittedly, with any advisor, you should value their time and you should recognise the value of their time and you should find a way to reward them. Clearly. But we might get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm just going to talk about the, 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 the advisors here. So I'm not okay. talking about the service providers that you would go through for technical instruction. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about your what starts off as perhaps mentors and advisors, that sort of informal approach that mm-hmm. might become informal advisory board members that might become a formal advisory board that might become a formal board. So okay. sort of stages of the approach. So mm-hmm. if you've got 50 team members mm. you're going to have a f- and investors, you're going to have a formal board. If you're a team of one, mm. you don't need a formal board. And no. In the same way that you don't need 50-page yeah. shareholder agreements because it's just you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what you're looking for is you're, you're looking for two criteria. Mm-hmm. For, for an, for, let's start at the beginning. For a mentor advisor, there's two criteria. Number one, they must be emotionally invested in my success. Okay. And number two, they must have walked the path before. And I know we covered this in the podcast, but I thought it was important enough to, mm-hmm. to reiterate it. Yes, okay. Um, so walk the path before and emotionally invested. Now, yes. how do you get a mentor or an advisor emotionally invested? Well, let, let me yeah. tell you why you want them, and then yeah. we'll, show, we'll show you how yeah. to find them, because they're actually pretty easy. So the easy. five... Great. You know, it's actually pretty easy. Once <laughs> yeah. you know what you're looking for, yeah, and this is, this, important, is, isn't it? This, is, this is the key, yeah. is that... Um, if I'm looking for somebody who has walked the path from me, mm-hmm. um, then that's a really good start. Now, 
my, my ability to develop relationships with people will demonstrate over time whether that person is then emotionally invested in my success or not. Get it. So that, that, that's relationship building 101. Of course, yeah. Okay. But they've got to at least have walked the path. So I'm going to start with the right raw materials, let's say. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, so the five buckets I'm looking for typically, I'm looking for somebody who can help me understand how to um, uh, deliver my service. Mm-hmm. And that might be in some areas called a technical advisor. Okay. okay? So how to deliver from a yeah, technical capability, how to deliver the products, Products, so service, whatever the yeah. offering is. If okay. I'm setting up a retail store, yeah. I want an advisor who understands yeah. retail. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever the offer is. If so. I'm setting up a pizza yeah. shop, if I'm setting yeah. up a bookstore, yeah. I want somebody that yeah. understands that. Yeah. Okay. So from who we're talking to, non-techs, we want a technical person that knows how to deliver what you're trying to achieve. Well, that, yeah. they at least understand the the challenges of it, and maybe they're not active as an actual yeah. operator anymore. Okay. But they're certainly a good advisor, yes. and they understand the, the technical areas. So they've been there, done that, and yep. delivered something before and many times throughout their career. Exactly. Okay. Now, with, with most industries, there's a there's a, uh, a and certainly with any venture, mm-hmm. there's a, an element of uh, regulatory um, and compliance elements mm-hmm. that you've got to address. Certain industries are a lot more than others, like childcare or fintech or yes. um, those sorts of areas. Mm-hmm. There's high levels of compliance, yeah, building definitely. industry, uh, those sorts of areas. So mm-hmm. I want somebody who understands the um, what all the regulatory requirements are, and also who understands the industry and the gorillas. They know where all the bodies are buried, they know who all the players and the operators are. Okay. I want an industry insider mm-hmm. in that industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and so if I'm in the telco space, I want somebody who maybe they've worked at a large telco organisation okay. and they're now out on their own. So, so that would be the second thing I'm looking for. Yep. The third thing I'm looking for is I'm looking for somebody who is absolutely a gun in terms of acquiring customers in the way I'm imagining that we would do that. Now let me give you a breakdown of what I mean by that. Um, If I'm uh, selling a business-to-business service or product or offering, Mm -hmm. um, then I want somebody who understands a B2B enterprise-style sales model. Okay. If I'm doing a, if the model model of acquiring corporate companies is we go and knock on the door, Mm -hmm. we we, um, uh, develop a relationship Mm -hmm. around a product offering, um, and it's a long tail, long series of conversations, yes. lots of shoe leather in it, then I want somebody who understands that enterprise sales model. Okay. Um, if I'm doing a retail sales play, mm-hmm. then I want somebody who understands how to get customers into the store, mm. if you will, the, the yep. retail play. If I'm doing a digital play, I want somebody who understands how digital conversion works. If I'm doing a, um, you know, there's a half a dozen other different sales models. It's very specific, will. yeah, in terms of what you're looking for, not just a salesperson that's got track record, but in the same space that you're targeting. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, and I tend to specialise in industrial sales models. You know, for me, that's that's a um, that's an easy no-brainer. Um, but there are other areas where I'm a little bit light, so mm. I definitely want an advisor that's going to fill in those gaps where and help and help me ask the right questions where I don't know that I don't know stuff. Yeah, and that's ma- massively important. Are you asking and exploring the right questions? And that's that's one thing you don't know um, if you're not in the industry or you don't have that expertise. So it's yeah, pivotal to success, really. Exactly. And and then the other thing is that, and then the last but or the fourth bucket is, which is really important, is I want someone who understands the audience or the market. Now, the, and I mean the market by the by the customer market. I don't necessarily mean that. This is sort of like may or may not be the same person who understands the regulatory environment and understands okay. the the industry. Mm-hmm. But it's it's tell me about the customer. Tell me about mm-hmm. you know what makes them tick. What what keeps them awake at night? Where's their pain points? What is the what's the perspective mm-hmm. that I need to be trying to figure out? Yeah. That I need to. Uh, we talked about on the last podcast about talking about the audience. Yes. Well, I need to know what questions to ask the audience. Mm-hmm. I need to know where they live. Mm-hmm. I need to know. I don't mean physically where they live, but yep. I need to know how to find them and how to access them. What are the paths and the channels to them? And yeah. that person will know that audience. And That's, even know some of the problems that the audience already has. Absolutely. Yeah. Because because I want to ask questions of that audience. So, but I need to know what questions to ask. Yeah. I don't want to end up going down a rabbit hole. And then the fourth, the, the fifth bucket is really sort of important too, although it's sort of slightly different. This is more around the math and the money. I'm a big fan, by the way, of early stage. If you can't necessarily hire it at the beginning, then rather than going for a co-founder, which is the cheap option, is I like the virtual option. I like okay. the fact that you can potentially tap into a virtual CTO or a virtual CFO or a virtual head of sales or a virtual head of marketing. Okay, mm-hmm. because 
if we've got those four or five roles as our primary advisory team, mm -hmm. which may then become an advisory board, yes. and I need a person in the primary roles of each of those when I build my first five team operators, mm -hmm. my you might call them my executive suite or my C-suite, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. They may not be chief CTO or chief yep. marketing officer or what have you, but they might be head of sales, head of marketing, head of operations, head of finance, et cetera, et cetera. Or they might just be contractors. Okay. That's fine. But the first five people I'm going to need in the adventure are going to be those five roles. So why not start with the five advisors mm. who will know people in those roles, in those roles mm. that they can then introduce me to. Okay. That's yeah. going to save me a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot yes. of money, a Definitely. lot of cost. Yeah, get a recruitment and hope for the best, right? Yeah. And well, paying for that big time. My hit, yeah. my hit rate on mm -hmm. finding talent mm -hmm. on introductions is over 95%. Yeah, it's no surprise because an introduction isn't given lightly, especially when someone's looking to employ. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you do tread carefully if someone asks for a recommendation. You think, should I be giving that? Um, and if they are great, then you're happy to yell from the hills. Yes, they're they're a great person that takes a role. So indeed. Yeah. And we talked a little earlier about the fact that the relationship building 101 is how do you know whether somebody's emotionally invested in your success? Well, if they're prepared to give a recommendation. Okay. Of someone to you, to you. Yep. they're putting their professional reputation on the line for that. So it, it demonstrates that they may well, in fact, be becoming emotionally invested in your success. Mm -hmm. Call it a litmus, litmus test, if you will. Okay. You stick the paper in the water, does it come out pink or does it come out blue? Yeah. If they stick the paper in the water, yeah. it doesn't matter whether the paper comes out pink or blue. Um, the litmus test is proved. Mm. It's either acidic or alcohol, alkaline. Yeah. It's one of the two. Mm -hmm. So. But you at least know where they're. You know they're in. Yeah, get it. Um, okay. And and then you know after the after meeting with the first person, if they're if they're the right person, mm -hmm. great. Uh, but typically, what you'd be looking for there is two or three introduction introductions for each mm -hmm. role. And and now you're not having to figure out what should I be asking this person, because here's I think there's almost missed this. There was the biggie. The advisors are not only going to know the people that you need to be introduced to. Mm -hmm but they're going to be able to help you to understand what questions to ask that person. So okay. I've got a great mm -hmm. B2B enterprise marketing, sales, mm -hmm. marketing background and business building. And I'm pretty good on the finance stuff too. Mm -hmm. But if I was looking for a technical advisor in certain areas, yes. there might be an industry where I don't know much about mm -hmm. that area. So what do I ask? the person around the service delivery element, the technical advisor, what sort of criterion should I be looking for in a technical person that I'd want to hire? Mm. The advisor should be telling me that. Yes. They should be saying, well, you're looking for these sorts of yeah. background and these sorts of skills and, and these sorts of criteria. One of the biggest challenges that a non-tech has, or in any case you walk into a business, just from a technical perspective, it could be any of the other ones too, yeah. right? If they don't know finances, they don't know what to ask either. But from a technical perspective, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know how to employ the right team. Um, are they building the right technology? Yeah. Are they approaching it in the right frame of reference? Are they building it scalable? How are they going to deploy this? Oh, how are they going to maintain it? They don't even understand these questions. So yeah. um, that advisor will guide you through the, that maze, really, because it is a maze. It is a maze. Yeah. But then, and then there's another layer mm -hmm. overarching over the top of this yeah. where you as a business founder, not only are you not now looking for co-founders, but yes. you're, looking for, you're looking for effectively your first employees for the business okay. as well as your advisors. Mm -hmm. But you're also getting to set the culture of the business mm -hmm. because you're now not hiring people based on skill. Mm -hmm. You're able to hire people and select people based on alignment and cultural fit. Mm -hmm. Not with the culture that you have, but the culture you're imagining. Because if it's yeah. just you... There's not much culture. There's not much you. culture there. But, but there is <laughs> yeah. your vision yeah. and there is your yeah. values, there is your, um, your attitudes and your ethics yes. and your uh, morality that all mm. play here mm. that form culture. Yes. Okay. So you can hire what elements of that and design and create the culture, therefore, that you want to create, as opposed to just recruiting people and then ending up with what you end up with. No, that's a good point, creating culture, because you are creating it based on some of your values and your customers' values too, because you're creating it to serve the purpose. So uh, I think it's something people have to think about when you're creating a business, an yeah. idea, a culture is one of them. They don't just rock up. Exactly. Yeah. But now, so if, you, if you've got the fund, if, it, if in, your, in your strategic roadmap, mm -hmm. you've got the capacity now to fund those first five people, yeah. um, 
and you've found a way to to uh, recognise the value that your advisors are mm -hmm. delivering and, and reward them in whatever way, shape or form you've agreed there. Yep. I like advisory boards because you can give them a clip of the ticket. Okay. But but you've probably worked with them for a little while before you've offered them any equity. So they've also figured out that, hey, mm -hmm. this thing actually could be worth something. So okay. there is value in the equity mm -hmm. and you're not nickel and diming them by offering them equity instead of paying them. Get it. Some advisors you should pay, mm -hmm. some you um, give them the choice. Yeah. What's an example of that? Oh, well, for instance, so I've got a wonderful advisory board. Um, mm -hmm. My chairman, um, I'll mention Neville, uh, Neville yeah. Christie. Yep. Uh, Neville and I have known each other for Ooh, what am I, 53, 37 years? Okay, a fair whack there. Yeah, fair whack. Um, <laughs> and Neville, is, uh, Neville has been uh, chairman of Startup Foundation for uh, for a couple of years, but he had some ill health a couple of years ago, stepped away. Okay, um, yeah, not so, good to hear. So rather than uh, recognise equity in a project, uh, mm -hmm. Neville, by the way, is, is uh, 78 years young. Um, he's okay. had 44 successful ventures oh, wow. and 41 exits. Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. 40, 44 ventures, yep. 41 successes, and three abject failures, as he calls them. Well, that's um, a great strike record compared to what the market will tell you. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but but for Neville, we recognise. Look, you got to be you got to be honest. Neville's yeah. seventy eight. If we yeah. take twenty years to build success in this venture with within Startup Foundation, yes. is that it would be unreasonable of me to expect mm -hmm. him to take equity understand that to forego some mm -hmm. current value mm -hmm. for some future value which may he may not see get it. Makes sense. Um, Neville's got a better use for the cash now so mm -hmm. yeah my arrangement with him is different to the other members of the that's interesting way of looking at it what is the position of the mentor and where are they currently at yeah. yeah and what do they want and, and ask the question and if that's yeah. right if you've got a relationship with them with the point where you're able to talk about these things then ask them what do they want mm -hmm. you know what what's in it for you i've had a couple of advisors uh who said to me actually dan happy to just work with you because i love what you're doing might be something in it for me later but for now i'm just happy to work with you because i think you're on the right track and i want to mm -hmm. see where this goes yeah no, it's everyone's different right and an advisor may be a quick chat and a coffee once a month, whatever, how you approach it. How do you recommend working with these advisors or mentors? How do you bring them on and what well, are the expectations that you put upon them uh, to deliver to the business and the product moving forward? Well, you, you raise the question, so it depends, it depends on your relationship with them and how you work with them. So I've got, I probably had a hundred in my professional 35 year career, professional career, okay. um, probably had over a hundred really good business mentors. And some of them I see, a couple of them I caught up with recently, um, who I haven't seen for 20 years, um, three of them specifically. Yep. Um, relationships still as strong as ever with them, wonderful. But I don't sit down with them for a monthly strategic planning session. Okay. Um, but you know they're still interested in how I'm going. They want to know what's going on. They want to know what progress I've had. You know that 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 younger yep. version of me that had those big dreams and goals and yes. how did that go? And you know, and sometimes that was a good story and sometimes it was yep. a bad. But they still are always interested in the story. Mentors are always going to be mentors. You're never okay. going to lose them. Um, so then there are your mentoring advisors, mm -hmm. and so that's a, this is the ones where that you're seeing on a more regular basis. Mm -hmm. They're emotionally invested in your success, okay. and and they're challenging you. Mm. So I, I like the fact that some of my some of my mentors are very very challenging because they'll ask me really really hard questions mm -hmm. that I maybe don't want to ask. <laughs> you know. Yeah, don't want to don't want to don't want to look at it at this point, right? It's the wince factor, you know. Yeah. It's like you know, they ask a question and you go, oh, I was no. hoping you weren't going <laughs> to go there, but but you know through. Yeah. Um, but the, the value of those relationships also, too, over time does improve because, uh, for instance, Neville and I have a wonderful relationship. Um, in fact, I think we're actually about to start recording um, a podcast series together shortly. So yeah, love, love to definitely get... Definitely share and cross-pollinate. I, I, I think, we, I think yeah. we might get you on as a guest of our show so oh, that we can great. Love share, to. share Neville. Yeah. Um, but one of the, the, the things that I have is that, you know, I'll have my sit-down session with Neville on a monthly basis mm. And I know that there is a series of questions he's going to ask me. Okay. So now I'm in the back of my mind. I'm mm -hmm. thinking about what am I? How am I going to respond to that in advance? How am I going to prepare for that? And and, 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 and when I'm in meetings, it's what would Neville say about this? And how would Neville respond? And how would he frame this question? Yes. So I'm now anticipating my relationship with him. Not second guessing it, but yeah. I'm now I'm now to the point where I'm internalising his insights and his learning. So that I can then step perhaps outside myself and maybe provide his perspective, or at least a vicarious 
version okay, of his perspective. Yeah, and no, I understand that. So he's can be a 24-7 mentor that you can lean on even when he's not around. Exactly. <laughs> because I, because our relationship is good enough to the point where yeah. I can ask the question, what would Neville do, what would yep. Neville say? Mm -hmm. And even if I can't see the answer, mm -hmm. I can come at it from another perspective, which is often hard to do. It's challenging because uh, we all get stuck in our own thoughts, own patterns, own beliefs about certain situations and generally that's just blinkers on, right? Um, and it's not easy to step out of that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I think I've worked out there are actually about seven different types of mentors and advisors. Okay. Um, so so there, are, there are the idea raters, there are the people that the, you, know, you just sit down in a blue sky meeting with and fill a whiteboard in half an hour. The creative. Oh. <laughs> well, they're, they're, yeah. oh no, I wouldn't say they're the creative, they're the, okay. they're, they're the idea raters, they're people okay. that are a bit like me, yes. they live in their head yep. and, and they almost think four dimensionally. I but I wouldn't call them creative from an output drawing perspective. Yes. It's still creative from a mind oh, perspective, yes. problem solving perspective. That's it what is. I'll call it creative. Yeah. Uh, and the one I mentioned before with Neville as a challenger, and yeah. the challenges are very important because they're all the people who say, yes, but. But, yeah. I mean, you hate that because you know it's coming <laughs> and you know you, and the moment the, leave word, the words leave your mouth and you say it and then they go, yes, but, oh, shoot. And now <laughs> I've got to, and, and that's a really, really good thing because you re even as much as, and I have a, a great friend of mine, um, I'll mention his name, Zvonko. Uh, Zvonko is one of my great challenges as well. The guy yeah. is, I, I was going to say, as crazy as a loon, he's as clever as a loon. He's not crazy at all. Uh, he is really, really smart mm -hmm. and he's got a lot of insight and perspective. He is a very, very detailed planner, mm -hmm. um, project manager, okay. um, very, very skilled at a very professional and so when I lay out my grand vision, mm. and he'll always challenge me with the yes, but. Okay. <laughs> oh, be, and, and, and the reason why that's, that's hard is that you don't necessarily want to have those conversations, yeah. but they're the conversations you need to have. Yes. They're most important. So, mm. I mean, I could prattle off a list of the other types, but I think, I think in reality, there are different types of advisors that suit different circumstances and different needs, okay. as well as different roles. Mm -hmm. So the roles that we talked about, the five roles that we talked about before, yep. I mean, they're key, but you'll find that different advisors will have different um, different cultural and emotional strengths that will, as a founder, you need to encompass all of them. You need to take a wider view. Um, yeah, as a founder, you need to put those hats on. You need to swap hats sometimes, and, and you, you can't just do the same thing and be the, the one-trick pony, as they say. Yeah, that's right, and you've got to be very good at changing hats. So getting that different guidance from different perspectives. No one mentor advisor is right for you, but as a, as a suite, as a portfolio, as a, as a board of them, yep. um, they become very, very valuable. They become your source of uh, perspective mm -hmm. and insight and reason mm -hmm. One of the things I never do with my advisory board is I never, I don't think, I think we talk about the, uh, the question of, of, the, of ethics. Mm -hmm. I, don't think, um, I don't think we ever talk about the question of integrity though. Okay. If they're in my advisory board or mm -hmm. on my board, mm -hmm. then they already passed the, the, the mm -hmm. ethical question long ago. Okay, yeah. um, I would never work with somebody who's an advisor mm -hmm. who I had concerns around, uh, around their integrity or around their ethics. Yeah, and that's not who you want to be associating yourself with, especially if you're trying to build a good business, good brand, the last thing you need is someone that could bring that down too. Yeah. Um, and give you the wrong advice too, and then you don't want to be questioning that when you're too far down the train. So work yeah. that out early on. Yeah. yeah, and the reason I raise that is because one of the things that founders don't do a lot of is they don't, and typically, especially when they're seeking investment, is they're not familiar with the term due diligence. Mm. And due diligence is taking a pragmatic approach yep. to to testing the veracity or um, um, uh, validity of the information that you're being given mm -hmm. by another source. Mm. Um, you know, an investor, you say to an investor, I think my business is worth $10 million, but it's still an idea and you have no product. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it'll take their due diligence just finished <laughs> <Yes>. right there. <laughs> but, but you may say, well, my business is based upon, uh, my business is worth $3 million based upon $3 million of last year's sales. Mm -hmm. um, great, okay, can I see the books? That's due diligence. Mm -hmm. And so when you're meeting with a mentor advisor, yes. you are quite within your rights. In fact, it would be expected for you to do a level of due diligence on that person. Mm -hmm. okay. So for instance, if you're talking with a particular advisor and let's say a specialist in law or accounting or yep. business structural planning, mm -hmm. not unreasonable for you to want to ask them to, to, to say, can you give, them a, give me the name of a couple of clients that you've worked with recently whose, similar, whose scenarios are similar to mine whom you've given advice that the 
don't benefit from. Yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't you do the same with an advisor? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you ask the same question? Can yes. you give me the, the contact details? Mm -hmm. Would you mind giving me the contact details of someone you've worked with similar to me, solving not necessarily the same problem, but at least works a little bit like I do, that you've been able to add some value with? Yep. And, and do you do diligence that way? We do all do business. Um, everyone asks, are you, are you capable? Show us what you've done in the past. Yeah. Um, and that question is asked all the time, so yeah. why not in, I, that, in that scenario? I don't think it's a bad thing. And, and you're basically, because if somebody struggles to be able to say, well, they, they may be upfront. Look, mm -hmm. I haven't worked in your space before yes. with uh, advising uh, anyone that's doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But here's a couple of people I've worked with recently that are doing X, Y, and Z yes. that, that have comparable enough. Mm -hmm. I can live with that. Yeah. Okay. You know, or if they're a first time out, look, I've, I've, I've just hung out my shingle, I don't have any clients, I haven't, mm -hmm. but here's two or three people I work with at my last company. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Mm -hmm. but, but everybody has a level of due diligence. Okay. You know, the other thing you can do with due diligence mm -hmm. is I always ask permission. Look, by the way, do you mind if I contact a couple of people in, that we know in common? I'll look yeah. up on LinkedIn if I know that person mm -hmm. and there's eight or ten people yeah. on there, two or three I might really trust. Mm -hmm. I'll ring them and say, listen, tell me what you think of Zvonko, or tell me yes. what you think of Neville, and you know I'll get the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a that's a really good thing. I know, for instance, Neville is is very polarizing. Mm -hmm. He is he is a very very strong individual. Mm -hmm. um, he's very intelligent. He's very yes. successful, and um, he has in any successful business career, you cannot not go through life and rub some people up the wrong way. Oh uh, yeah, it's challenging, isn't it? it is. um, you need to stand your ground and own what you're doing and. Some people aren't going to agree. Exactly. And if you don't do that, you're not going to get anywhere because you're just going to flutter in the wind. Exactly. Um, it's, you can't do it. And you learn that as you go through. You, you do. Yeah. But what that means is then that if I was doing due diligence on Neville, mm -hmm. I'm sure I would come across some people that would say, well, no, I don't like Neville. Why? Now, the, yes. the thing about it is, but they know Neville, so he's yes. not milk toast. He's not land. He's memorable enough. Yes. And he's been able to hold a position. Yeah. And, and whilst that other person whom I, whom I also mm -hmm. like and trust mm -hmm. may not agree with mm. that, mm -hmm. at least I know the... I'm prepared for that. I'm, I'm an adult. I'm a grown-up. I know yeah. that Neville's an adult, a grown-up. And I know that you know he's not trying to win some sort of popularity contest. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing to know anyway. It is. Yeah. It is. So yeah. because part of my due diligence yeah. is I don't just want to know the good stuff. Yes. I also want to know some of the bad stuff. Yep. Oh. Uh, you know, there, there are people that would say about me that I've, I have this characteristic or I have this, yep. that quality or characteristic. Mm -hmm. That should not be a surprise mm -hmm. to anyone that asks, you know, that, that calls up about me and asks for a referral. Yeah. That would not be a surprise. Mm -hmm. In fact, if somebody said something that was, was a surprise, I would be, hmm, okay, where's that coming from? <laughs> um, in the same way that I know what people would say about Neville, because mm -hmm. not only do I know Neville's great stuff, but I also know his, you yep. know, We've had those very challenging conversations mm -hmm. where he's told me, you know, <laughs> straight out, <laughs> you know. Okay, let's, let's make it simple. Your idea sucks. <laughs> your, your baby is ugly. <laughs> Nobody wants to be told their baby is ugly. <laughs> you don't want to be told that, but sometimes you need to be told. Yeah. Sometimes you yeah. need to be told, that's yes. right. And, mm -hmm. and we all need to be told that. Yeah. So, so I love my relationship with Neville because yeah. he can tell me that my baby is ugly. Okay. Now my babies aren't. My baby's beautiful. <laughs> They're all grown up now, but you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's get back to. We've got. We're looking for a mentor. Maybe that's the place we start. They may be a broad person or a particular area. Then we've got five particular areas that we want to start build some advisor around. That's the tech, that's the industry insider, someone that knows a bit about the industry. It's um, someone that can actually acquire customers and does have acquire customers probably in that space. So that or at least in the method. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. they don't necessarily have to understand the space, but if it's a digital play, they should be a digital guy. If they're yeah. a B2B sales guy or an enterprise sales yeah. model, they should understand yeah. that methodology. Yes. Be because, I mean, mm. let's be honest, if you're going to build, if you're going to sell $20 million worth of products and you're going to need, yep. um, let's say, five salespeople to do that, mm -hmm. so $4 million budget each, yep then that's a sales team. So you're going to want somebody who understands yep. how to build a sales team okay. of four or five sales people yep. mm -hmm. doing enterprise sales. And then, it, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So yep. um, then you've got the audience, make um, audience, someone knows the audience and actually understands the customer. Yeah. And finally, money. Someone knows a little bit about money and can do that. Now, there's an interesting point here that I've stumbled across during this conversation. And I think you alluded to it at the start. Do I bring on a tech founder? Yeah. Now, You've raised five areas here that are important. One of them is potentially tech, and yeah. that's the delivery. 
I ask the question to the, the, the founders out there, am I going to bring on an industry insider founder? Am I going to bring on uh, someone that acquires a founder, a sales guy? Am I going to bring on an audience or a market person as a founder as well? And then plus I'll throw a money guy in too. So I've got six founders now <laughs> in my business. So I think we pigeonhole, uh, or when you're building tech, you pigeonhole it, it's all about the tech. And clearly business is not just about the piece and the service delivery and the technology. It's all these other facets too. So I think I always want to raise that because I, I hear that all the time. I uh, hear talking to founders, oh, we're looking for a tech founder. Yeah. Uh, are you looking for another founder? Let, yeah. let me let yeah. me give two words to me, yeah. just absolutely to your audience. Let me yeah. be more. I can't be any more direct than this. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Yeah. You do not need yeah. a co-founder yeah. if you don't want yeah. one. Now, yeah. if you feel like you don't want to go on this journey alone, then that's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is building a team. Now, the reason yeah. why a lot of it, uh, uh, I won't throw shade on any one particular group, but often it's 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 said at a lot of accelerators mm -hmm. that you need. In order to get into an accelerator program, you need mm. uh, a co-founders. We, we we must have co-founders, um, and that's the that's more about their business methodology and okay. and, and needing to have clarity around the structure, yes. um, and needing those to be in place before you get into it. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about inviting people into play as your yep. head of sales or head of operations or tech or marketing or yep. head of finance or what have you, um, then those people are effectively your early hires. They're yes. your C-suite, but they're your first hires. Mm -hmm. They may have um, an equity earn-in or an equity mm -hmm. buy-in component. They may ultimately become recognised as co-founders of the business, what have yep. you, but you're not looking for co-founders. Yep. And I'll tell you why. Because if you've got five advisors okay. and you've got five early hires plus mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. and two or three service providers and what have you, now you've got a team of 10 or 11 or 12 people, mm -hmm. that means that if you've been able to sustain that team for any length of time, mm -hmm. you are eminently more investable. Okay. Now, what is investors? What is the main claim that everybody says the investor is looking for? Investors invest in the team. Mm. I'm not sure it's true. Uh, I invest in the people. Okay. Um, but because the person finds the advisors, mm -hmm. the person executes on the strategic plan, the person creates the strategic it plan, does. the yeah. person builds the team. Mm -hmm. um, and so I invest in the person because I'm investing in the person who demonstrates that they've got mm. the capacity to execute mm -hmm. on their strategic plan, on the capacity to build relationships, on mm -hmm. the capacity to engage with audiences, mm -hmm. on the capacity to evangelise a message, mm -hmm. and, a, and, and the capacity to get people to emotionally buy in, mm -hmm. as well as financially buy in, mm -hmm. to a product. So I invest in people. Okay? Yeah. But to most other investors who say they invest in teams, mm -hmm. then what you're able to demonstrate and differentiate from every other startup that's out there talking to investors is, I've got a team of 10. Yeah, and <laughs> doesn't mean they're full-time. Doesn't but mean they're full-time. on these people. I've right. got a team of 10 people who are emotionally and financially invested in the success of this mm -hmm. venture. Some of them might be putting in two days a week. Yep. Some of them might be putting in um, three hours a month, depending mm -hmm. on what the, the nature yep. of it is, the advisor. Yep. But I have a team of 10. Mm -hmm. So as an investor, I would look at that team of 10 or 11 people and yep. suddenly go, okay, now I know where that person is getting their advice in. Mm -hmm. I probably know a couple of the advisors. I probably have a relationship with them and trust a couple of them. Mm. Um, so as an introduction, mm -hmm. you know, think about it for a second. Mm. Let's follow the rabbit hole. Yeah. I've got a team of, remember at the beginning of the conversation I said that every resource that you need isn't necessarily known to you, mm -hmm. but is known to you by the people that you know? Yes. I now have a team of 10 people. Yeah, maybe introducing you to your investors, potentially. So suddenly <laughs> I'm looking for an investor. Yeah. I've got five people who yeah. are probably already now on my cap table after yep. the first six or 12 months. Certainly mm -hmm. they're on my cap table yep. um, by, by 12 months. Um, they're now the second investors in my business. Mm -hmm. Why are they the second investors? Well, who's the first investor in your business? You are. You are, yes. The founder is. Mm. So if you've, you've got your first investor mm -hmm. and you've already got your second investors, yep. Every other investor after your first investor is a follow-on investor. Okay, so you can see the investor's a bit more secure then, right? So now yeah. the investor is not first money in. He might be second or third money in. Mm -hmm. well, you being the founder, you're the yes. first money in. Mm -hmm. Your advisory board is now your second money in. Mm -hmm. So now the opportunity for your advisors to introduce you to aligned investors mm -hmm. who understand or are likely to understand your vision and likely to be interested in your space 
remember saying before I get a 95% hit rate on introductions for referrals? Yeah. What do you think your hit rate would be on the introductions yeah. for potential investors? Certainly going to be a lot better than, than the 5% success rate that we get out in the industry. And it's important to them. Your advisors, it's an investment to them. If they believe in the product, they're there supporting, helping grow this thing. They're going to want to get the right investor in too. Well, of course yeah. they are. They're not going to want to bring the wrong investor in. That's no, the first thing. And if, if they've got a slice of the pie, they're mm. going to want to protect their investment. They're not going to want to bring in somebody who is combative or alienating mm. or wants to take over run the show mm. or is some sort of prima donna. Yep. They're only going to introduce people that are aligned. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not about groupthink, by the way. Mm -hmm. This is about cultural alignment. Okay. It's really, really key. So by you setting the culture and defining that within the group, you're now able to ask your team members and advisors to introduce you to people that are culturally aligned and mission aligned, yep. um, and that can add some strategic value. Yeah, huge. That also adds value to the credibility of, mm -hmm. the, of your advisors mm -hmm. professionally because they're now able to leverage you as a product as part of their portfolio. Not very good. So the, so the relationship if done properly, is symbiotic. Oh, the advisors get a win out of it, the project works, the advise, they've been a part of that team too, so yeah, I get that point of it as well, because yeah. they want to advise on more things too, it's not just, it can be uh, something that they do as an occupation, advisor and mentor and uh, can be an occupation. Yeah. In, indeed, yeah. and, and yeah. I think one of the things I want to yeah. keep come back to, and I, I, I haven't touched on, but I think yeah. it's really important to say, mm -hmm. is that with your advisors, You've got to pay them in a way that they need to be paid. Mm. And, and so yeah. for some of them, they might have had a successful career, they're yeah. former, maybe retired CEOs or what mm -hmm. have you, or they've been um, journeyman consultants for all their life. Mm -hmm. So they've been pro they're professional, they're perhaps no longer needing to work, maybe they're former CEOs yeah. or what have you. They've made their money and so they do it because they enjoy it. Mm. Okay. And for other people, this is the way that they get paid and make their daily living. Mm -hmm. So they may need a recognition of, yes. uh, of a uh, fee-for-service. Yep. And that's fine. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you might have somebody who is an action coach or a skills coach or, mm -hmm. a, or, a, or a product coach or a technical coach or something like that. They're mm -hmm. a coach. Yep. It's not the same thing necessarily in a, as an advisor. So I think when you're, when you're talking mm -hmm. to people, you've kind of got to get an under, understanding of mm -hmm. the value that they can deliver mm -hmm. And what do they need in return? Mm. And how do they want to be recognised and rewarded? And, and you should ask that early on. And well, you need to, otherwise you're walking into a relationship, you don't know what the end game is, and no one's going to sign up to that. Yeah, are they? yeah. that's it. Yeah. And, and this concept of, of, of informal advisory boards, which are not the same as shadow directors or shadow boards, by the mm -hmm. way, but they are, they are essentially people that have all care, yes. but they don't have the, uh, the governance requirements um, mm -hmm. that a formal board has. Mm -hmm. um, they are informal advisors mm -hmm. and the decision still rests with you as a founder. This is why I like the concept of having solo founders mm -hmm. with good advisory boards and yep. good early stage team members of a C-suite yes. because you're not having to make, uh, to delegate, sorry, you can delegate decision making processes, you're not having to share the decision making processes. Mm -hmm. But as an investor, I like those businesses to invest in because I know that that founder is not in a gaggle of two or three co-founders trying to figure out between them what we think sounds best. Yeah, I know fight that, around what works, right? Yeah, that's so, right. I mm -hmm. know that that single founder, who is the decision maker, mm -hmm. is getting a series of different advices from different advisors, yep. some of whom I know, mm -hmm. and then is making the decision and is acting. Mm -hmm. So he's not in a committee. Not yes. management, <laughs> and it can be challenging it, um, it, when you're in that world. So I, I've got a co-founder, and we log heads sometimes. But I think where the advantage is, I found a co-founder, and we think very differently, and we bring different facets to the table. Um, but I've also ran into businesses that have the same thinking co-founders, um, and they really get no benefit from it. So if you're going to have a co-founder, they need to bring something different to the table than you do. Oh, otherwise there's no point having a co-founder, like you said. If, if yeah. that, that's right, is, is if, if what was it? Uh, Neville said something really clever, and I'll yeah. see if I can quote this correctly. Yeah. If 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 we always both agree, yeah. then one of us is not required. Your, oh, that's yeah. Your, that your co-founder to the table, right? Your co-founder challenge. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you have yes. a co-founder, yes. co-founders, yes. they should actually be challenging relationships because because yes. if you do. always agree, then why do you need them? Or oh, why do they need you? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent agree with that. So, 
That's what they really, really point. I really like that. If you always agree, yeah, or you know, each other. That's it. That's it. I think that's that's why great couples work. That yeah. when people are different, opposites attract, yes. and all of that. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and and the same is true in a business relationship. If yeah. you think about it, if you're going to get uh -huh. into business with a co-founder yes. of some description, I know that we started talking about technical resources, but yeah, the, the conversation around co-founder is really important. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to get into a relationship with a co-founder, uh -huh. and you're going to be in in business with that person for ten or twenty years, mm. in the same way that you would do the due diligence on an investor yes. you would want to do the due diligence on a potential co-founder mm -hmm. and if and if they're just someone that you met because they went to the same university as yep. you or that you met them at a meetup or whatever mm -hmm. like that then you know what what le what level of due diligence are you actually going to yep. be able to do if mm -hmm. that person doesn't have mm -hmm. excuse me hiccup uh, like you doesn't have a, a business track record yeah track record um, so I I'd like to think that you can be comfortably mm -hmm. a solo founder okay and build a framework or a structure mm -hmm. that makes you investable yes. and able to, is, is able to demonstrate um, not to accelerate a program that you've got three co-founders, but yes. to great investment groups, whether yep. that be uh, VCs or uh, venture studios mm -hmm. or uh, corporate investment capitals or angel groups or what have you, yep. um, or that, that you're in fact investable because you've been able to demonstrate by your actions and your behaviours the outcomes that make you investable. No, it makes perfect sense. and. Really appreciate the conversation around looking at building mentors and advisory first, um, and that's and based on this conversation, I'm assuming that happens from a strategic plan. Which, if you go back in the podcast, you'll find that um, that we talked about earlier. Build the strategic plan. Start looking at building the team. Then getting the advisors on board. Don't go and build the technical product. Um, get the right people, the right mind, so you actually solve the right problems for the customer. It all is all about that anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to have a further conversation yeah. around around yeah. what I think is the right way to build a technical product, because yeah. I, I think there is one. Oh, okay. And, yeah, we have and, a chat. And, think, and, well, I think I know how to build one too, but that's okay. I, I, exactly. <laughs> I, I'd love yeah. to. I, in fact, you know what? I actually yeah. think maybe yeah. that's what we'll get you on talking about. Absolutely. Is, yes. is, and then we can yes. banter about the about, yeah. what, about yeah. what are the ways that you could build a great product yeah. Yeah. within the frameworks that we're talking about now. Because there's, because yeah. I think there's, um, there's, a, it's, it's a whole um, can of worms, but there mm. are so many opportunities in Australia. Yeah. Can I, can I just table something sort of finally that I wanted to just really mm -hmm. put put in front of your audience? Australia's not really good at innovation. Now we say we are, but you know they trot, trot out the old uh, stump jump plow and Wi-Fi and Hills Hoist mm -hmm. as being uh, great yes. examples of Australian innovation. Let's be honest, we suck at it. They are terrible examples. I can give you. I can give you chapter and verse historical reasons why every one of those inventions was a bad example of innovation. If we were really good at innovation, uh -huh. we would have a hundred of those have come out in the last five years. Yeah, what's coming up? There, there, there are a couple of yes. organisations that that are supposedly worth more than a billion dollars, mm -hmm. uh, based upon not market tested, not validated. There's a couple of really good ones that have been sold yep. that are validated that are worth. A couple of billion dollars, yep. sure. Um, but as a general rule, we suck at innovation. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing: yep. we're a really, really um, large group of smart people. Don't let anyone tell you Australia is a small market. It's not. Twenty-five million people. We are the most yep. homogeneously culturally diverse group country in the planet. Um, we are very, very highly trained. Mm -hmm. um, Australians are very well skilled. We're very professional in what we do. We have very high work standards, very high ethics. Mostly, a couple of trade services where you might disagree, but, you know, air conditioning sales, but air conditioning guy up on the roof before. Um, no, but but as a general rule, we're internationally we're respected. Um, around the world, we have very very high uh, standards of, of uh, uh, regulatory compliance, governance standards, those sorts of things, and and Australians are well liked. Yes. And in Australia, you can build a product and test it with an audience or market of 25 million people yep. that you can sell just about any other market or industry or audience in the world. Mm. Australia is the best place to test and build and launch an offering from any market. And I challenge anyone to tell me a market that you couldn't launch a business in in Australia and make money in and then scale to the rest of the world. Now, it doesn't mean we have to, yes. but we can. It is, a, it is the opportunity. We have a good testing ground. There's enough we numbers have. there. There's enough diversity there to test the concepts, right? That's right. Yeah. So we're on the crest of a wave. Yeah. It hasn't happened for us yet, but I reckon the last five years has really been about setting the landscape. The, yep. the 
um, uh, governance, uh, compliance, the, uh, I talk about the, the five factors, the, the picks and shovels, the tools, the resources, mm -hmm. the regulatory environment is fourth, and the capital is fifth. Now, the capital has been building in Australia, and there is more capital than was available five years ago. That's positive. Okay, mm. but the returns haven't happened, and for investors to continue to reinvest mm -hmm. in products, they need to get a return, and they haven't yes. seen it yet. So we've got, I reckon, about five years in Australia mm -hmm. to build a really brilliant innovation system, and those that get it right are gonna go on to mm -hmm. huge things, mm -hmm. or in the next five years, we as a nation will fall off the back of the wave, to use the surfing mm -hmm. analogy. We're, we're on the crest yep. of the wave right now. Mm -hmm. The wave is building. Mm -hmm. We're either gonna fall off the back, mm -hmm. and then we're done, yep. Or we're going to ride it all the way to the beach. Now, I personally think that it's the latter, not the former. Okay. I think we we are in the land of opportunity right now. We're in a sweet spot. Yeah, no, it's great to hear for everyone out there that's in these current positions that take it to take it three steps back, build your advisory board first, build your team, exactly. and do it the right way. Don't go looking for three or four co-founders and hoping for the best. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so to summarise that and to make to, to, to tie in with exactly what you said yeah. is, is if you've got together a framework and a strategic planning methodology yep. and you figured out how to build a team and the team roadmap and what have you and become investable yes. um, and your advisors and they say, look, brilliant, Dan, love your work, but this, this baby is ugly. Mm -hmm. But the next one, your yep. advisors still like you. They still exist. You've they still the exist. You, you yeah. kept your powder dry. Yeah, you didn't go yeah. too early. You didn't launch a product that nobody wanted. Yep. You didn't spend two years or waste and go through chew through all the yep. valuable seed capital you've got. Mm -hmm. You've kept your powder dry for the right thing. Mm. And this is what I think about is that, you know, did we say this episode or the previous episode, this ideas are like buses, there'll be another along in five minutes? Yeah. You know, this, that's, yeah. that's true in this space. Yes. So don't feel like you've got to rush and, and be the first to market. Yep. Most of the successful ventures in the world, almost none of them were first mover advantage. Almost none. Coca-Cola was not the first soft drink. Yep. Uh, Realestate.com was not the first real estate platform. Mm -hmm. Facebook was not the social media no. platform. Microsoft was not the first people to release a spreadsheet. Correct. You know, uh, um, uh, WhatsApp was not the first um, mobile tele uh, Google, telecommunications Google app. Google was not the first Google, search engine. Google was not the first search engine. Everybody yes. who had, um, there are almost no great companies around still in existence today that had first mover advantage. Yeah, that's another great point for everyone out there. Don't rush it. There's no need to rush. And I think sometimes as a founder with an idea, you think, oh, God, I have to move quickly. And that might be the key pivotal mistake where I jump in, I hire a dev team quickly, and I start building something because I'm in a rush for some reason. That's all in your head. Um, don't be consumed by time. Make sure you're building the right thing, get the right team around you. Yeah. And then you never know. You might not even build that product, like you said. Absolutely. Yeah, no, being, being patiently impatient yes. Yes. is one of the best characteristics yes. that you can have. Yeah. Um, pausing, taking time to reflect, thinking it through, asking lots of questions. Yep. Uh, we use the analogy of painting at the beginning of the thing. Mm -hmm. Don't be the first, don't don't go out there and throw your ladder up against the wall and <laughs> get the job painting done, yep. only to realise that hey, nobody's yep. going to pay me for this work. Correct. So, oh. No, thanks, Dan. I think that's been a lot of insight there for our listeners um, and plenty to take away and just think about if you are in the middle of building a product and you haven't got a team around you, go back to the steps, start building your advisory board now, um, get it right, get some mentors around you and make sure you're doing doing it the right way. Um, if you've got some the gaps that you want to fill, make sure you can bring people in those areas. I'll cover them again. The tech space. Uh, industry insiders, someone that knows the industry and understands it, um, the people that can help you gain and acquire customers, um, the people who know the audience, they actually know your customer, their pains, their problems and know them inside out, and also people who know money and finance. There's are five areas you want to cover off. If you don't have them covered off now, make sure you go out and do that. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in again, and I'm sure we'll have you again at some point. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I learned some things too. So yeah. th thanks very much. Hope your audience gets a bit out of this too. Cheers, Dan. Thanks again. Thanks.